0: Therapy with my mom is intended for educational purposes only. Everything discussed on therapy with my mom is not to be taken as a medical recommendation, but rather as personal and professional opinion. This podcast is not meant to represent or replace psychotherapy services. If you're in need of emotional assistance, please seek out a local mental health professional that can cater to your individual needs. Welcome to Therapy With My Mom, a podcast hosted by a mother and son who love each other very much.
1: Oh, hi, I'm Julie Barkowskis. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a certified addictions counselor, as well as a somatic experiencing practitioner. I've been providing therapy on an outpatient basis in my private practice for over 20 years. I'm Ryan Barkowskis,
0: her son and a millennial that was graced with having two parents who are both social workers.
1: This podcast is here to educate our listeners on the various aspects surrounding mental health.
0: Our guests will include individuals who are going to share personal stories on mental health struggles, as well as professionals who can shed light on the array of therapeutic approaches.
1: We hope you enjoy the journey with us. Welcome to our show.
0: I do want to hit the record mom it's my favorite thing to do
1: well i am so proud of you and i'm just so grateful for you being able to know how to hit record mm-hmm.
0: both having the brain function <laughs> and the motor skills to <laughs> click a button
2: and yeah, you've raised him well mm-hmm. oh
1: i'm so proud of yeah these, these small accomplishments <laughs> that he's been able to achieve Mean yes. so much to me
0: <laughs> i was famously terrible at clicking things and and basic actions we all get there yeah
1: well i'm wanting to ask uh, just a couple questions here uh you invited this wonderful guest and Mm -hmm. i was just hearing a little bit about uh how you know our guest so i was wondering if you'd like to give us some background
0: i do know him and that's very kind of you to call him wonderful before you even know him this guy This is a, this is a friend. Uh, I say all of this in jest. This is a a former classmate of mine. We studied TV together through Columbia College, Chicago, and we met out in Los Angeles while we were finishing up our degrees. And so he's been a friend in comedy, in finding our way through the entertainment business, and uh, just a cool guy to hang out with. It's my good friend, Greg Virgin. Mm Wow. Thank you for having me. Hi Greg. Hi. Good to be here. <laughs> Hello. Hello. We're all very excited to have you. So Greg, you are not a mental
2: health professional, are you? I am not. No. <laughs> I am not a men- I have no credentials whatsoever. How would you how would you define your credentials? How would I define my credentials? Sure. I mean, uh my credentials are uh in completely unrelated uh, in comedy <laughs> and mm-hmm my degree like you said we studied television writing together so yeah really nothing to do with psychology whatsoever but my sister's a therapist though oh that's cool so you're basically qualified yeah
1: Uh, what does your sister do as a therapist
2: she um works with a lot of like kids that have gone through trauma and um I was just listening to your episode on DBT, and I know that that's something that she's studied a lot. Um, well, that's awesome. So, yeah, she lives in Seattle.
0: Yeah, Has she listened to
1: the show? She
2: has not. I think I've told her about it, though. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell so her more. Maybe yeah, tell knows. her more.
2: You need to convince her a little yeah. bit more to listen to our show. Yeah, I will. Um, I wonder if Julie, as... Uh, therapist do you want to listen to more like is it like taking your work home with you when you after you finish with your clients and then to listen to more stuff about therapy
1: uh it just depends if it's interesting if uh it's a new take on something i haven't learned i'm i'm very interested if it's kind of redundant or repetitive then i'm kind of like oh you know yeah let me go do something else yeah But Ryan is not redundant Mm -hmm. and he's not repetitive. I was waiting for her to say that. I was like, (laughs) yeah. I
0: was like, with me hosting? How? How? Well, Greg, you're not a mental health professional, but you're still a human who has empathy and real experiences. And I brought you on today because I know you have a couple stories. Can you uh, set this up for us? What are you here to talk about?
2: Sure. Sure so i guess i'm here to talk about sort of the struggle to find good therapy Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not to say that it's a struggle for everyone because i know that lots of people have had really great experiences with therapists um i've gone through a number of therapists and uh, never really found one that i clicked with and i had a few that were particularly challenging Mm -hmm. uh to deal with would be the diplomatic way of putting it. Um, So, um, yeah, I mean, I can just sort of go into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to work through it a little bit. It's up to you um, to talk about Mm -hmm. why you'd want to pursue therapy in the first place. (laughs) But tell me, tell me how it began, like when you first wanted to seek therapy.
2: I would say that, well, initially I was pretty reluctant. I didn't want to go to therapy. It was never something... I think some people are kind of like, they like therapy regardless Mm -hmm. of what they're dealing with and I was kind of it was sort of a last resort for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of when I... sort of when I was... I dropped out of my first college and that had a lot to do with social anxiety issues and I was Mm -hmm. sort of reaching a point where it was, I was realizing that my life was being stalled in a lot of ways, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really, couldn't really understand why, because nobody had ever officially told me that I had social anxiety, Um, and I didn't really even at that point deal with it yet. I kind of waited, I, I went to, then I transferred to Columbia in Chicago, and it wasn't really until the end of my first year at Columbia that I was still having issues, and so I started seeing the therapist that was part of the college that you get like the 10 free sessions, um, mm-hmm. and and then I started seeing a psychiatrist and got some meds, and the psychiatrist actually, I remember I was late to the first session, so I only got like 20 minutes with him, but within like five minutes, he was like, oh, you have social anxiety, there's no question here. Um, and so, but we, the, but treatment for it didn't really, I would kind of go each week and talk about it, but it wasn't, I still wasn't really making progress. Um mm-hmm. And he told me that he thought CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, was the, going to be the most effective treatment for it. Um, mm-hmm. But he didn't provide that. It was actually kind of a funny situation though, because we're talking about, issues with therapy and this was an early one where i was seeing my uh my therapist that was part of columbia and then i was also seeing the psychiatrist who was prescribing my meds and i didn't really realize what was going on but the psychiatrist was also doing psychotherapy with me so i would go to him like every week and i just thought that's what you did with psychiatrists but i was also Mm -hmm. going to the therapist my college yeah and i wasn't really and at some point like weeks into this i was telling something to one of the therapists that conflicted with something the other one (laughs) said and then they were like wait a minute like you can't we got to talk to each other like i got to call this other therapist if you know it was a bad situation to be getting separate advice Mm -hmm. from two different people especially when there was no communication yeah Um, did did they feel
0: like you were cheating on them
2: yeah
1: (laughs) i was I think yeah, that's really it, what it was. It was the yeah. therapist
2: was more concerned that I wasn't fully present for him. Um, yeah, but well, I, uh, also
1: they it was their responsibility to be aware that you were doing something else and to coordinate care or to communicate with the other person about treatment planning. So mm-hmm. it sounds like lots of people didn't uh, maybe recognize what they needed to do in terms of like case management or
2: yeah i think something was going on like i think that i think that the psychiatrist at least he definitely knew that i was seeing this other therapist and so Mm. and he kind of had me coming in because i guess most psychiatrists don't really do therapy they kind of you just go and get your meds and then right i mean you you tell them initially what's going on and because i had another psychiatrist out here in la and that's kind of what it was. I would go in about once a month or once every two months, and mm-hmm. he would, we'd have like a forty-five minute session, and he would, we, I'd fill him in, but then I wouldn't see him for a while, and I would have a separate therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but this psychiatrist in Chicago seemed to want to actually do therapy with me as well. So yeah, it it ended up being not a great situation, um, mm. and yeah, so. But basically, kind of by the time I realized what was the problem there and that they were th- one of the therapists realized it, by that point, I was ready to go to L.A. It was my term was ending in Chicago. So that just kind of never really got resolved. And then I just <laughs> moved out to L.A. And i wow,
1: <laughs> right. I was just going to say you had to start over. So,
2: yeah, pretty yeah. much. And I mean, I was still I got like. I was still on the antidepressants at that point. And so I got like a primary care doctor to keep prescribing them for me, but I wasn't getting any sort of therapy at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I moved out to LA and then this has sort of been the cycle where like I would, I just kind of stopped doing therapy and, and I went maybe like six months into living in LA and, and then I again reached a point where, all the issues that I had were still there because they had never really been resolved or at least addressed. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I found a therapist out in L.A. because I I wanted to deal with it. Um And he was definitely the worst is a strong word, but <laughs> the uh he was the most negative experience I've had with therapy sure. um, you can be honest about how you truly feel like it's <laughs>
0: I mean you know I won't name name
2: well it's a funny <laughs> thing because he was a very nice guy and I think part of the problem is I'm too I tend to be too accepting of like if somebody's really nice to me even if they're being unprofessional or sure. it, it, I tend to be too forgiving or at least accepting yeah Um, and so the first thing was with him i was looking for a therapist who did cbt because i remembered what my last Mm -hmm. psychiatrist had told me and so i i found this guy on somewhere online and he said he did cbt and this is something i found with several therapists that there's a lot of people who say they do cbt but they don't really do cbt or at least they do some sort of abbreviated version of it. They don't. I think it's a little disingenuous when they credit themselves as like this is something that I yeah. do, and it's like. But if you're really looking for an active, structured CBT program, yeah, they don't necessarily offer that.
0: So when you first talked to this mm-hmm. guy, um, yeah, do you have? Did you have like an intake session where you kind of went over things and how you wanted to use the CBT approach?
2: I think that I, you know, I'm, the issue has always been social anxiety. So there's a, there's a huge component of it's shyness, it's inhibition. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I've also struggled in therapy to be assertive and say, this is what I want. I know that in that initial session, I said, you know, I want to do CBT, but I think he would say like, oh yeah, we can do that. And then I kind of just let it go from there. Like I didn't, I don't. I I should be pushing, or at the time, I wish I had pushed more and said, Well, what are we doing? But, you know, I didn't really know what, uh, I didn't really even know what CBT was fully. I expected that I could just come in and say, I want to do CBT. And And it would just be taken care of
0: from, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, for the audience's uh, information, in case they don't know, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It's very popular.
2: Yeah. And it is the, I mean, I'll get to this later probably, but it is sort of the treatment of choice for social anxiety, the most effective Mm -hmm. treatment, which I learned later. Hmm. Yeah, so we had an initial session, and there were probably already some red flags that I should have paid more attention to. One is that he just talked way too much, Um, like Mm -hmm. he talked most of the session, and I think that there's a part of me that was that liked that because i'm used to sort of therapists in the past that do the thing where they just kind of look at you and kind of just stare yeah. and yeah wait for you like and you kind of i always kind of wanted somebody to guide me a little more especially because i was so inhibited and kind of like i wanted to be sort of coaxed out of my shell by mm. a therapist but this guy was the other extreme he was yeah. Just like I would say something and then he would tell me a big, long story about his life. Um, And so that wasn't that wasn't great. Um, And um, really, the main issue, I mean, there were many issues with him. The biggest one was that he would not show up for my appointments. Um, And I would literally I would go to the office and. I would sit there and wait and it would be the appointment time and I'd wait like another 10 15 minutes to, and figure out that he's not coming to get me. I'd go knock on the door. The door would be locked. Um and that happened six times I went there and I let that happen. Mm. Did you have
0: a weekly like assigned time that was pretty steady every week or like every couple weeks?
2: We did. I was actually in preparation for this podcast i was looking at some of our i looked up some of the old emails i had with him because mm-hmm. i was curious about that and i think we had a time but it was also kind of fluctuating a lot he was dealing with a lot of family issues mm-hmm. which i really shouldn't have even known all the details of but of course <laughs> he told me um mm-hmm. i don't know if, i don't want to violate is there uh patient doctor confidentiality is, <laughs> does that work both ways reverse know. He, he told me his personal family dramas and confidence. So I don't want (laughs) to violate his trust. Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) One of the things I was wondering, you said you gave him all these opportunities. Was there some reason why you felt like I need to give him another chance? I need to give him another chance. I mean, what led you to, you know, I have that once, twice, three times you're out kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. I, that's kind of my boundary is like, I give you one chance, I'll give you a second chance. You, you mess up one more time. I'm not, mm-hmm. no more chances. So I was just kind of wondering for you, what, what was convincing you to override, you know, that and not listen to that?
2: It's something I've tried to uh, figure out for myself. I think it has to do with, um, I think I could probably connect it all back to my anxiety and that. Um, I think a big part of it was just not wanting to have to go through the struggle of finding another therapist I think totally. that there was sort of like I, I'm kind of throughout my life I've kind of been like well once I find something that works I'll stay with this as long as possible because transitions and meeting new people and trying new things is scary Yeah, mm, um, I was certainly okay. yeah I was lenient Um, and and he would apologize so I mean I think I would sort of all for that, like, yeah, I mean I don't think it was I don't think he was trying to I think he was being um inconsiderate I don't think he was like i don't think it was malicious, but mm-hmm. um I would you know, when he wouldn't show up, I would call him, and then of course, his answering machine was always full, so then I'd email him and then I would get a response sometimes a few days later the last time it was a month later um, oh my he would yeah oh, my. that that one I never responded to. Um and oh. uh, but yeah and he would apologize profusely and say like oh his parents were dying and all these things but you know and I felt bad but in retrospect it really wasn't it it wasn't relevant really like, yeah it's for not for him to even tell me that yeah <laughs> to it's a deflection I mean he could tell me that but it just it didn't change things
0: yeah but to yeah to have a uh, a uh bit of a lack of consideration we can say to let you go that far and not update you really on what's going on you know there's a certain level of professionalism you have to have if you're having your own issue you know your own personal things to be like i have to like not take clients for a little while i need to be you know telling people about this um and yeah there's there's a real layer of trust that you have to have with your therapist um larissa discontinued seeing one of her providers because
1: Arissa is your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. In case any Listeners don't know yeah. what he's talking about
0: her. Uh, her copay changed uh, to be like more expensive. And her provider did not tell her for like three or four months. And then suddenly you just like told her oh. one day like, oh, we have to charge you for you know, it's it's apparently it's more. I just found that out. And it's like, why didn't you tell me that earlier? And that was like a huge. Let down to be like, I really need to feel secure with this. And this Mm -hmm. person then kind of blindsides me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes that would be extremely upsetting and frustrating Mm because, yeah, you do want that's the thing. I, I, you know, people who have great relationships with their therapist, they talk about that feeling of trust and like the person, they feel like the person understands them. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I I haven't had yet with therapists. Um,
3: Yeah.
0: So it's th- we're talking about the same guy still. So, uh, yeah. he's yeah. There's more. Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> he's missed appointments. He's he's just not sh- <laughs> just shown up. Yeah, He's yeah. Bringing some of his yeah, own and stuff. It, to it,
2: it's session. unfortunate because I was um, I was going to talk to him about my fear of abandonment, but uh, but he never showed up. So we never got. Oh
1: my him. gosh. <laughs> Now, I'm wondering if you meant that completely seriously or if you're saying that to be somewhat uh, funny here. Help me out here. <laughs> it's, it's a little
2: bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: We <laughs> didn't even have the time to address it.
2: Yeah.
3: Wow.
1: Well, you know, just being able to know you have someone you can count on and rely on. And yeah, maybe they're imperfect. But for the most part, I mean, when we talk about like positive parenting, we talk about like good enough. Meaning that, yeah, you you mess up once in a while, but most of the time you're consistent. Most of the time you're reliable. Most of the time you follow through. You don't have to be perfect, but overall, I need to feel safe and secure enough that, you know, if you uh, mess up, that I'm going to see some growth in my therapist, right? I'm going to say, okay, I messed up. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do in the future so that this doesn't happen again. So I'm actually modeling for you a healthy response, and uh and then also taking taking the action that says i take took my mistake very seriously and i'm going to repair this with you by not doing it again
2: mm-hmm.
1: right there's no re- there's no repair
2: yeah so uh another therapist i had later on was uh what he did was he missed an appointment one time he was on vacation i think and he told me that he was going to be back sooner than he was and mm. I you know of course initially I was sad about that because I was worried that this pattern you know I've yeah. experienced this in the past but he you know apologized and uh, didn't charge me the copay for the next session mm, when okay I came in. and he and he seemed very like I remember going in the next time and he was like oh that was I should not have done that I'm sorry mm-hmm. and so it just, yeah. I felt like he took it very seriously and so I wasn't going to like hold a grudge or stop seeing him over Mm -hmm. that yeah it sounds
0: like he then would have some some insight to be like oh maybe my client is going to be sensitive about this i really need to take care to (laughs) address that and to apologize and 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 ownership
1: and responsibility for one's actions rather than i'm just going to keep making and and maybe the reason for that person's life being unmanageable is the reason but if your life is unmanageable and you're my therapist you need to get help to get your life manageable yeah before you can be my therapist Mm -hmm. you know i need a therapist who knows how to manage their life yeah so
2: yeah and and i remember when i was looking through the old emails with the the therapist who didn't show up um he would say in emails like i had you know it's my fault but i had told my assistant to contact all of my clients and tell them that I was unavailable and she your name wasn't on her list for some reason. And it just felt like it it, it was kind of felt irrelevant to me at that point. He's that still you putting like a layer of like,
0: deflection on it, like being mm-hmm. like, it's my fault that like actually it was just a clerical error
2: and there was nothing we could have yeah. done about it. It's like, huh? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and again, if it had been like once or maybe twice, it would have yeah. been like okay. But the fact that it happened six times, it's like you had six chances to address Mm -hmm. this clerical error yeah right it's you know it's not happening clearly okay
0: so but what we're saying is even after this abandonment continuation (laughs) we're we're still we're still talking to this guy for a little bit right
2: i was the sixth time he stood me up was the last time i never went back but uh, between the first and the sixth It wasn't like six consecutive times. Let me clarify that. I (laughs) I didn't go six weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd have like what would happen is we would he would stand me up and then, you know, we'd apologize. And then I'd be like, okay, maybe it's not such a big deal. And then Mm -hmm. I go back and we'd have some more sessions and then it would happen again. And Mm -hmm. that was that was the cycle. Um, Got it. Mm. Yeah.
0: So it was it was the continued absences that broke the camel's back for you with him?
2: Yes, I think I would have continued with him for longer, but I think eventually I I think there were like I said there were other things that I don't know that it was that healthy of a therapeutic relationship even when he was present, like even when he was there for the sessions, I don't know that it, it was really benefiting me because yeah. like I said he would talk most of the sessions um and i mean there were there were strange things like one time i went in and he was crying when i got there and hmm. um <laughs> i was i didn't know how to handle that uh so mm-hmm. i just kind of sat there and he just kind of sat there crying for like a few minutes and was just like just give me a moment i'm going to compose myself and so i just sat there quietly and let him finish and then he told me that he had just gotten a call before I came in that the spouse of one of his other clients had just died and so he was just suddenly reeling from that news Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it I didn't again didn't really know what to say to that and then he just was like okay I'm okay now we can we can do your session and so I kind of start talking about my stuff, but he has this really sad look on his face the whole time. He's and I just, it's just clearly like he's not even really present, right? Um, right. And I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I didn't know. Again, I didn't know what to do. And eventually, somehow, the conversation kind of went back onto his stuff and with this other client. And then he had me actually. At one point, he had me switch chairs with him, and he sort of he beca- I became the therapist, and I was asking him questions. <laughs> oh yeah, and I think um, the whole time I was like, "Is this is this some sort of bizarre therapy exercise? Right? Yeah, and, uh, maybe I don't understand. Maybe at the end of the session, I'll understand why this is life changing.
0: But um,
2: oh my, oh he'll my. tell you
0: next session that like, oh, actually, nobody died. You did really well. Of then addressing, yeah.
2: That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah he works in mysterious ways
1: well greg i know that there's some comical part of this but part of me just feels like this actually contributed to you feeling more anxious like oh my gosh like instead of me feeling safe i am mm-hmm. feeling not safe i'm feeling uh like why would i connect with people if this is what i'm going to be confronted with or facing oh my goodness i i'm i just want to go in there and like <laughs> take you out of there Unreal. and say get, get,
3: get run run
1: <laughs> yeah i
2: that's what i want to do for me too and cuz you know looking back i'm like i should have stopped right then and there i should have i should have walked yeah. out probably in the middle of that session and just said i don't like this i'm not doing this yeah. um yeah. and and i think for a long time it it probably did increase my anxiety somewhat and i think i also felt like i didn't I mean, I haven't really told these stories to a lot of people because sometimes I'm like, I can't believe that I yeah put up with that. Like there's a Shocking. bit of embarrassment of like, how did I how yeah. did I have that low of a level of self-respect that I didn't mm-hmm. stop this before I did?
1: Sure. Well, if I could throw something in here, I I I think of the overriding playing a big part of that. And sometimes we override because we have a should or supposed to that affects us like, oh, I should be understanding. Oh, I should give them Mm -hmm. another chance. Oh, you know, all these shoulds and supposed tos that, you know, we, you learn in cognitive behavioral therapy, right. You know, all these other ones that affect you overriding what also is going on, which is, this doesn't feel right. This feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that's part of the thing that I would be, I would be more compassionate with yourself about and be curious about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult
0: thing when you're, I mean, you're seeking care in this moment. So there's a level of selfishness and importance on yourself that you really have to, to stress. And so, yeah, that whole, like, I should be treating this person the way I want them to treat me as a, you know, as a patient. But then, yeah, to yeah, totally flip that and then to have the responsibility of then being his caretaker is is inappropriate.
2: Yeah, it, it just it put me in a very difficult position of like, you know, yeah. somebody's crying yeah. in front of you that they've just experienced the loss. And mm-hmm. in most situations in life, you'd want to just hug them and yeah. be, com- give them compassion and listen. But this is a different type of situation. This is a time when that's just not appropriate for somebody. I mean, if he if he had if it had really been that devastating that he couldn't do it, he should have just said, I'm sorry, I can't can't do your session today. And I would have in retrospect, that would have been a more personal thing to do than what Mm -hmm. he did. Yeah. Right.
0: Because at the end of that session, you should have been like, well, our time is up. So, you know, I don't take insurance. <laughs> yeah. I will need cash. <laughs> yeah, that's him. a
2: good point. Yeah. Since I was the therapist,
1: why didn't I get payment
2: for that? Session? Yeah. You could dictate yeah. the, the terms yeah. here. Yeah.
1: The other thing that I was uh, aware of is some things that they talk about, like cognitive dissonance. And this is kind of an interesting thing around how when people uh have these positive experiences where there's all this good stuff that you happen in, in this relationship and then there's all this other crazy stuff and so that's the cognitive dissonance. that's when you say uh well there's all this other stuff that's good i should just give it another chance i should you know and and then this other part is like well i'll try to be understanding and so i don't know i think i i i can see why sometimes we're having that argument with ourselves around and I, you also said that you were also like, oh, and I have to change therapists and that would be mm-hmm. a pain in the butt. So I mean, there's a number of arguments going on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, I was going through all that in my head and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I really didn't want to think about trying a different therapist until it became just totally an untenable situation yeah
0: right right (laughs) go until it causes irreparable damage
2: yeah yeah right until i have like a lifelong set of trauma that i didn't have before i went Mm -hmm. in and then i'll stop
1: one thing is is you you talk about your social anxiety and i'm going to talk about the irony here for a moment but you have your social anxiety and then you have these anxious situations and these uncomfortable situations in which your window of tolerance is really high because my window tolerance would not have been as high in that situation.
2: Yeah. So you mean like um, the fact that I would sit there and listen to him, have me switch sides with him and do that sort of thing. That that's Is that what you're referring to? The, the window of tolerance that I would put up with that?
1: Yes. That you would have this capacity to put up with things that are highly uncomfortable in this situation. And then you talk about, being suffering from social anxiety which is also something that's highly uncomfortable does that mm-hmm. makes sense as i'm asking that?
2: yeah that does it it it's an interesting thing it's social anxiety is a weird thing because i think it affects people very differently and i think for me the, it would have been the uh, the act of asserting myself and saying i'm not comfortable i'm leaving um that would have been Far more scary just to sit there and do, like, okay, this is what the therapist says we're doing. So this is what I'm just going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also at the time, uh, I didn't really, I don't even know that I was considering leaving. I think I was, I don't think, I don't think I was at that point in my sort of maturity that I would have even thought that that mm-hmm. was a serious okay. option. I think I was just going along with it no matter what. Um, sure. So,
0: yeah. I think early on in our experiences with therapy, jobs, relationships, these things that take you know a lot of startup energy, we've talked about that before, and you know, there's something I struggle with, and I can maybe safely assume so many people have issues with adjustment. You know, to get that just initial velocity to get a thing going can be really, really difficult. Um, and so then, yeah, there's the fallacy of sunk costs of like, oh, I've you know, mm-hmm. I've spent this long in this relationship with this therapist that like it's just it's going to take me, you know, two, three months to restart with a new therapist. I'd rather tolerate this. I'd rather not like this thing about my, you know, about my partner. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's di- the dating pool is so difficult. So, you know, it's it's a very common, mm-hmm. you know, issue to have to get out of anything that you're like wow i I managed to get here that took so much energy already
2: yeah 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 absolutely um yeah and especially when you are like as hesitant about Mm -hmm. going into a therapy situation as i was and and, yeah already you know confided in him and and i did feel like you know he was a nice on one level he was a nice person like yeah He he seemed warm and like, and I think I had and still do have sometimes an issue where there's a fear of like, oh, I won't find somebody else that, you know, is nice to me in this way or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know. There's something. And so then you're just like, well, what if I don't, what if I look for another therapist and I, they're, they're not as compassionate or something like, Mm -hmm. like clinging to that this might be the only option, um, which of course is totally irrational but that's kind of the way i maybe felt at the time sure i
0: mean Mm -hmm. it's at least you recognize that it's a a fairly irrational thought um Mm -hmm. i was curious you know i i think there's a couple more therapists after this guy but this is one of like the worst cases right of uh of what you've yeah yeah this is the one
2: that yeah this is the one that could be like a, a, a sitcom episode, yeah. I feel. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it is surreal to have to change mm-hmm. seats, like to take it that far. Mm-hmm. We joked that maybe this was like, you know, alternative therapy where he's, <laughs> he's trying to do something for you. Having gone through that experience and, you know, having received therapy for a little while, do you feel like that inevitably did help you establish boundaries?
2: I think maybe it's just now helping mm-hmm. me establish boundaries. I don't think that immediately afterwards sure I changed that much. I again when I was looking through the old emails I I did I was kind of impressed with my former self that the the final email that I ever sent to this therapist was like multiple (laughs) paragraphs and it was very polite but it was also very maybe even stern would Mm. be the right word where I just kind of said outright like I don't feel confident in our therapeutic relationship this has happened six times and unless you can somehow demonstrate to me this won't happen again I don't know that we can continue um Excellent. And that's the one that he waited a month to respond to and so he had that, to think uh, about that uh, <laughs> yeah i guess so um uh, and so then i never followed up with
3: him again after mm-hmm. that um,
0: i imagine him in a few more sessions with other clients than being very emotional and talking about how he's being broken up with by you <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's seeking counseling his from his other,
3: other- <laughs>
2: From other clients. That's a good point. Yeah, his other clients probably had to switch seats with him and yeah, and then bear the weight
0: mind. of losing me as a client. Yeah, <laughs> like wow, Greg is cutting me off. That's tough.
2: Yeah, I probably maybe he got that email right before somebody was coming in, and so he was he had to deal with it with them. He cried um, for
0: longer about that one. Like yeah, that, one, that, that was a really more upsetting. One. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I think that I it's just an ongoing process. For mm-hmm. me of learning to be more assertive and setting boundaries and, yeah um I think now you know maybe in the past year or so I've sort of started to recognize that like you know I need to speak up when relationships aren't working for me of any kind um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And be assertive and, and yeah I just think it, it's healthier because I, I I lose my self-respect when I don't um, yeah you know when yeah. I when I feel like somebody is taking advantage of me or just not respecting me or in some totally. Way. So, yeah.
0: right. Right. But- We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, just separately about people who respect our time in different, you know, different types of relationships that we're in. Um, one thing that I just want to like expand on is like the whole idea of like, Oh, I can't find someone like this. Who's as compassionate or, you know, the whole idea of like, it's difficult to cut off anybody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I what works for me personally is like using evidence of like, you know, I had a relationship before I can find another one. Most likely there's evidence to support that people are interested in me. I had a good relationship with a therapist before there's evidence to support Mm -hmm. that there is another person who has similar characteristics that I'm going to enjoy talking to. Mm -hmm. So while it's difficult to leave that person and think oh but what are the odds what are the statistics of me finding this person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's proof that you've achieved it and whether that took a lot of effort or a little like statistically there has to be more people out there like that with the compassion and Mm -hmm. and with the time to give you um and then as you were saying that it's an ongoing process it always is to then find our boundaries you know i've Mm -hmm. mentioned this to you and you know, my mom has like the same rule. I eventually just got to a one, two, three year out rule with, you know, friends that blew me off for commitments Mm -hmm. um, or anything, you know, eventually it hits a point where you can recognize when one thing is very important to you. And like, for me personally is, you know, the value of time and, and holding a commitment. And so like if anybody that I have a relationship with is disrespecting that and then, you know, has three strikes on that against me. I'm like you just don't you don't operate the same way as me. Like we do not hold this thing that I hold such a high value for. You don't even hold that close and that's going to be mm-hmm. a problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with all of that and that's that's something that yeah, I'm kind of trying to come to terms with as well because I mean, I don't like uh you know, I don't want to like hold a grudge against anybody or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this therapist mm-hmm. or anybody but yeah you just, you just kind of you have to decide what your values are what's important to you and
3: mm-hmm.
2: like you said some people are more okay with different types of relationships and mm-hmm. but like right yeah, i you know knowing that people are going to be there for me when when yeah. i need them to is it's important to me um mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's definitely something that I think I've learned from looking back at that whole yeah. problematic. <laughs> so, experience.
0: how long ago was it that you were you were working with this therapist?
2: This was uh, was right when I moved to LA, so it would have been like 2017 ish.
3: Well, okay. Yeah. okay.
0: So, how many um, uh, therapists base. have been? In between? What was the journey after that? <laughs>
2: there have been like a couple. I mean, uh, there was, there have been a few short-lived ones and mm-hmm. there was, I tried that better help thing that, you know, I don't How know. How was they, that? Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't really find it personally that helpful, but I didn't stick with it that long. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that some people have, so I don't. I I never want to say like, oh, it doesn't work or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's it, I a lot of a good therapeutic relationship is just if you connect with your therapist. That's my opinion. From mm-hmm. like, I feel like when people find somebody that they feel like understands them, yeah, um, then that's when it works, and you kind of you have to shop around a little bit for that
3: sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: It's it can be a little exhausting for anyone that doesn't know better help is a um is a service that's been heavily advertised uh as of like the last couple years and it's ex- mostly on podcasts yeah it's really become a huge <laughs> podcast sponsor uh because okay. the format is entirely telehealth right it's completely uh virtual
2: uh yes yeah they do like i mean it's kind of nice because they well we're not we're not doing an ad for them. But, no. Uh, no. Look, if they want
0: a sponsor, <laughs> then I will change my tune. But until then, I'll give an honest no. review. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But they uh, they do, like, you can message them, like, the therapist during the week. And mm-hmm. they'll, like, within 24 hours, they'll just answer a question or give you some quick advice. And then you can have, like, weekly uh, sessions, like, via Zoom. Yeah. Okay.
1: like that. So it it could be a nice alternative for certain people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. One of the things I would be curious about with your social anxiety, it would be almost advantageous for you to get out and be in person. Would that not be true?
2: Yes. And actually, I think I'm in a way more comfortable in person. I don't know. I think I I like the idea of better help because I thought, oh, this will be easier all i have to do is sign up here and they just assign me a therapist and mm-hmm. i don't have to go anywhere and but i i think i personally do like being in person with somebody mm-hmm. and yeah i think it the more i can have in-person interactions with people yeah. is probably healthy um,
0: yeah so. as a very distractible person I know for myself and then I would put that on my therapist. I'm like, we're just going to be able to like actually focus on each other here. Like, I'll be distracted if I'm just like looking at you on a screen because I can have other tabs open. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I would really prefer to be in a room that I know where it's just us here right now. There's nothing in between.
2: Yeah. Have
0: there been a few other difficult situations with therapists after you know, Dr. 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 Cryer, I'm gonna call him.
2: Uh there have uh there was my last, like I guess my longest therapy relationship was after that, and that was about maybe eight months. Mm -hmm. And um that one was it was just another guy I found on one of those psychology today or something like that, one of those websites. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I was still looking for somebody who did CBT because I had kind of gone through the same cycle again where I stopped seeing other therapists. I had stopped trying better help and all that. And I just thought, well, maybe I'll just not do therapy. And then, mm. you know, six months or a year goes by and you realize, okay, I still have stuff I need to work <laughs> on. It hasn't mm-hmm. gone right. away on its own. Um, And so then I looked again and I found this guy who was near me and said he did CBT. and. He was definitely overall better than the the Dr. Cryer, Mm -hmm. as we'll call him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like like I said, he showed up for all but one appointment. A little bit better. uh, Yeah, Yeah, that was, I mean, the bar was low, so all somebody (laughs) had to do was show up. Um, But yeah, so this other guy, um, he was helpful in a lot of ways. He said he did CBT again, I don't really think he did. Um, And because I would, I was kind of, as we were going through our therapeutic relationship, I was still kind of researching social anxiety on my own and trying to figure out like, why is this not really improving, even though I'm seeing a therapist and talking about my problems every week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was finding out more about what CBT is and And then I was asserting myself more with him and saying, like, you know, I was reading about what this entails and are we doing that in here? And he'd be like, yeah, I think we do a lot of that in here. And that's not really not what you want to hear. You know, it's there were principles of CBT that he was applying sometimes challenging negative thought patterns and so forth. But um, it wasn't the structured approach that I felt like Mm -hmm. I needed. Um, And. And I've also kind of learned that sometimes talk therapy can even be sort of it can sometimes make some anxiety worse because if you're just going in every week and just saying, oh, I was nervous at all these social situations all this week and they're listening and saying like, oh, well, there's no reason to be nervous. I mean, it doesn't really help. And you're kind of just revalidating right. your nerves, your nerves every week and you're mm-hmm. you're not actually reframing them in any way. Yeah. You're reliving so. it.
1: You're not looking yeah. through
2: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 provides temporary relief. It's nice to have somebody to listen while you vent, but, yeah, um, right. it doesn't really, it's not a long-term solution. Um, and, but I ended up running into some problems with him as well. Like he did help me in some ways. And I think we connected some in some ways, but I just felt like he didn't understand like I said before, I don't think he fully understood what I was going through. Like, I remember I was going through a transition in my job. I was leaving one job and I was kind of freaking out because that was a, you know, a very scary thing to not have a job. And also just the the interview process for new jobs is something that I've mm-hmm. gotten better with, but used to just totally, oh, my totally paralyzing. To me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I would tell him that and... He would kind of be like, "Well, you just gotta, you know, you just gotta push yourself through it, and we can talk about it in here." And and I was like, "No," but I'm like so anxious. And he was like, "Well, you don't really even have social anxiety. You have like very mild." He said, "People who have like real social anxiety, they can't even function. They're on social security. They can't work." And. Again, in my own research, that's my not mom is really. shaking it her is, head. It's yeah, spectrum. That's You're right. Yeah. I mean, he was right. saying like, I don't have the most extreme form where I can't talk to anybody. I, I yeah. can function, but I certainly have been limited by it.
0: Yeah, um, it's invalidating, kind of what you know about yourself, mm-hmm. and then making mm-hmm. you feel like, well, now back to square one. What's wrong with me?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it makes it made me kind of feel like, oh, am I just lazy? Am I just <laughs> right. Am I just a complainer? Because that was the other thing he said one time. He said that, like he said, you know, I think maybe your parents coddled you too much. Um, And that kind of, you know, struck a nerve. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there could be a degree of truth in there that, you know, maybe maybe my parents did, you know, let me avoid a few too many things when I was younger. I think that that can be an issue with anxiety, but I don't, I felt like that was a harsh judgment for him to make and Mm -hmm. was ultimately not productive. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And and then that that therapy kind of ended when uh, I, I had another big transition. Like I had just gotten a new job and I was starting to feel a little more settled again. And then my roommate situation was in flux. Two of my roommates were suddenly moving out. So I was panicking again about not just financially Mm -hmm. what i was going to do but also i mean it it just threw a lot of things into limbo because i was thinking well this i might have to move and that's another you know there's the there's the hassle of these situations but then when you have social anxiety people i think don't always realize there's this level of fear that's built in it's not just like oh i gotta find a new place it's like oh i gotta learn to be with new roommates potentially i i was Mm -hmm. thinking if i have to move to a different area of town i i don't have a car actually i don't drive so i was like i need to have a job that's close to me so i might have to i just started a job i might have to start another new job i might have to quit this job and then i was like anxious oh i got to go in and tell Mm -hmm. them i'm quitting and i've only been there three weeks how am i going to do that Mm -hmm. um and i was telling him all this in one session In what ultimately was our last session. And he was just kind of like, well, you know, it's just that's life. You know, it's tough. And you just you just push forward. Everybody, you know, life throws you crazy things. And it's just you just got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like you're not like that. What you say is not untrue. But Uh it just Mm -hmm. made me feel like you just don't get it. Like You don't understand.
0: That is so like. I'm, I'm here to talk to you about how right. this makes me feel and instead of asking you to expand on that he's like well yeah sometimes there's <laughs> ups sometimes there's downs sometimes we get the sads what can I say <laughs>
1: it's like what yeah that's
2: what yeah that's what it felt like
1: yeah what you know one of the things that I'm hearing from you is that a lot of times people didn't have the capacity to meet you where they were where you were at they were like mm-hmm. kind of saying, oh, well, you need to think this way. And you're kind of like, I, you know, it's like, that's a leap. Like I hear that intellectually. I understand that you're trying to ask me to take this leap, but I have all this other stuff here in between that I need some help with to get there. And I, I know that too, when I talk to clients a lot of times, even like around subjects with um, like grief and loss, and they'll say, well, uh, just do this and you'll feel better. I'm like, mm, no, you don't just think this or you don't just do this there's a process and Mm -hmm. uh and if if they don't understand the process then they're not meeting you yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah I think I think that that's it Um, I mean that reminds me also when I my had a psychiatrist in Chicago who was the one who identified me as having social anxiety Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I liked him in a lot of ways but he also didn't fully understand it because he was saying like, you need to just go out and do as many like huge behavioral experiments as you can. Like you just go out mm-hmm. and like embarrass yourself in public and do everything possible. And I was just like, is there a risk in doing too much? Cause like then mm-hmm. I'll just totally freak out. And he was like, no, 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 the more you do the better. And so it was again, and that's not, not really, it mm-hmm. seems to be, that doesn't, that doesn't make progress. Cause then you kind of, you, you, go back into your shell because it's too much mm-hmm. too quickly
1: yeah. um, right. So right
2: you need you need kind of baby steps when you're dealing with you know obviously these anxiety things they're totally irrational like I know logically that there's no reason for me to get so anxious in social situations so mm-hmm. having a therapist tell me that logic doesn't just make the emotional component yeah. go away the
1: thing is, is I don't believe that it's- completely irrational to not be nervous or uncomfortable in social situations i mean Mm -hmm. it's important to recognize that there's some level of stress some level of whether it be um, awareness that i want to be received positively or have a positive experience Mm -hmm. there is some pressure and so i don't know i think that it's it's a degree of like i understand Here's mm-hmm. all these things that I'm experiencing in these social situations, and then there's this other part, which is okay. How do I not get overwhelmed yeah. by all of that? I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah,
0: it. I, I, it feels like, um, just the danger of invalidating the anxiety or the fear. Like, don't
1: right, like, I, I have reasons to be anxious. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, it's, it's okay, and you know, yeah. there's social anxiety and. And public speaking is one of the biggest fears for, you know, a reason. Um, yeah, don't shoot yourself in the foot by saying, oh, I'm so irrational to even be reacting this way, you know, except that you have that reaction and then it's using the tools and then figuring out how to navigate that, right?
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, I think that uh, the when you do tend to make it worse too when you because a lot of times the. A lot of times the bigger issue is being frustrated about the anxiety. I think that's true with a lot of things in life, like mm-hmm. bad things happen to us in many different ways, but it's it's our unwillingness to just accept it that causes the most pain in a lot of cases. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you go into a situation like if you're going to be public speaking, yeah, most people get nervous to speak in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's like the number one fear actually yep. by a lot of statistics and so if you go in and you're like oh angry that you feel nervous then <laughs> you're gonna it's just gonna make things worse so you just kind of accept right. the nerves and that paradoxically makes them go down mm-hmm. um, right but there is there yeah I mean the rational irrational that's some of that is terminology that I've learned from doing a subsequent CBT program for social anxiety that like that's a way you sort of confront when you're having a thought of like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I'm so nervous that I'll go into this job interview or something, and and then you mm-hmm. be like, well, rationally, what is the worst that could happen? Like, you know, right. you 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 put, you think right. it out for yourself, and you dismiss the the thoughts that are obviously, you know, logic. If you look at the history of other job interviews, nothing has gone terribly mm-hmm. wrong, so really? why would mm-hmm. it happen this
1: time? Yeah. Look at you! Wow, example. Wow,
0: (laughs) you should be sitting in a therapist chair. (laughs) So insightful.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, all of that, um, that came from. I mean, if you want to just, I could lead right into the. Ultimately, after I left, yeah, um, that that last therapist who kind of was invalidating a bit, um, I ended up just not going back to him, um. And I found out later from my sister that he probably should have followed up with me, actually, because like I was I didn't have another set appointment because I was going out of town. So I said, OK, well, we'll just I'll call you when I get back. And I decided never to call him and he never called me. Hmm. Um, and my sister was like, well, he probably should have at the very least just called you and said, like, you know, do you want to do another appointment? If not, that's OK. But. That would have been a, a good thing to do to at least not to not just let a client just go and never follow up with them. Yeah. Uh, another mm-hmm. another issue I learned that I've learned a lot about what, what makes a good therapist and what doesn't. That's <laughs> a bad therapist. Mm,
3: that's um, good.
2: But uh so then I again went through the cycle again where I just stopped doing therapy and then six months went by and still having issues with a lot of anxiety and so then i found this online program through this place called the social anxiety institute which is a place in arizona that is completely dedicated to social anxiety and it's actually run by a therapist who suffered from social anxiety himself for 40 years of his life mm-hmm. and then eventually recovered and became a therapist and is now dedicating his life to helping people with this issue. And and this is a program that I considered before, but my last therapist had kind of told me I didn't need it. Um hmm. so I decided to just try that. And um unfortunately I started it literally like a few weeks before the pandemic started. So right as I was getting into the parts where they're like, go out and try these behavioral experiments, go out and Talk to a new person each day. It was like, oh well, now you're not now I'm trying to get more comfortable talking to people, but now I'm being told that it's actually dangerous to
1: talk Mm, to people. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: But I went through it anyway. It was like a 25-week program where you just you do it every day. That was one of the big things that was never emphasized to me in any of the talk therapy sessions Mm -hmm. I'd have that like real structure. Yeah. You if you really want to challenge or change your brain which is kind of what cbt is about mm-hmm. uh, you really need to do it every day and so you kind of with this therapy you sit with it for 30 minutes every day and you go over these handouts and you listen to audio sessions and then a few weeks into it you start trying to do behavioral experiments every day which can go at your own pace you know you can mm-hmm. everybody's at a different level like i mean i I do, some people are really terrified of public speaking, I've done stand-up comedy over the last, like, eight years, and so I, that's not the scariest thing in the world for me, I'm more Mm -hmm. scared of, like, going to a party or something, Um, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just, I went through it, I went through the therapy, I've gone through it a couple times, actually, the 25 weeks since then, and it's helped me. It's not like I'm not totally over social anxiety. There's still situations that are difficult for me, but I don't feel as like restricted That's good. as I did. Like I feel like I can do I, I can do things now that I might still be anxious, but before it was kind of just like out of the question. I'm not doing that. It was just total avoidance.
3: Right.
0: It's good to hear that at least, you know, you found structure in a program that that gave you a few tools and at least helped you make a few steps, you know, therapy isn't a fix all, Uh, you know, it, you have to, it's just, just supposed to give you tools and guidelines. And then, you know, you use that and hopefully continue the lifelong struggle that is dealing with our issues. So at least you found something it it sounds like hopefully was a more positive experience and productive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it feels like the most productive experience. I mean, mm-hmm. one day I, I still feel like it would be nice to have a good therapist, like actually one-on-one to, you know, because social anxiety is not my only issue too. There's other things that I would, you know, like to have that relationship to be able to just deal with. But, um, it's definitely a more positive step in therapy than I've had with any other approach so far.
0: So are you back to pursuing therapy? How are you feeling now?
2: Um, I'm not actively pursuing it, uh, mm-hmm. I, but at some point, yeah, I might look into it again. Um,
1: if you do, when you're investigating a therapist, some of them actually have certifications in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. They've gone through the whole training, and they then would have more of the structure, more of the tools. Uh, when I was working at a mental health hospital, I I had the advantage of getting that training kind of more informally, but I had a lot of the handouts, a lot of the tools. And we had, like you said, like a regular cognitive behavioral group. That's what we did in that group was all cognitive behavioral work. And, um, and so, um, so it, it would just be helpful maybe to ask people, well, what are you certified in this? Have you gone through the training of this? You know, that kind of thing might be helpful to kind of delineate, uh, making sure that they have that full immersive, you know, immersive training. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think I would be, this point i think that i would know what to ask and like i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't get as far as i did in mm-hmm. with previous therapists before realizing that they didn't do it sure like, i would be like no i know what cool. it is now because i've done it i've gone through a program so yeah. is this what you do or not
1: yeah yeah your life experience, experience has been exactly. your it has been your teacher yeah
0: yeah yep. so yep. important well, i'm glad that at the end of this that you <laughs> You did learn something, you know, these are, these are lessons you take away. Hopefully didn't cause irreparable damage. So it was and... all, it was all
2: worth it. Is that yeah. what you're saying?
0: Again, this was all just, it was all of your healthcare providers colluding. And this was, this is all <laughs> part of the plan. Create
1: paranoia now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. They, this is what it took. Too. So if yeah. anybody has social anxiety, you need to have like three or four bad therapists mm-hmm. in order to recover. Yeah. No, <laughs>
0: Deal with a real rupture and then have to repair on your own. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> but not actually. Um well, well, it takes I,
1: courage on your part to go back to another therapist after mm-hmm. you've been burned. I mean, that right there says something. So because I know some well, people go, I've been burned, I'm not going back. Yeah. I'm not gonna try another therapist. So
2: yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I do yeah. still have I do still believe that it's when it when it works Uh, you know i've heard people talk about great therapy and Mm -hmm. i I think it it can be very beneficial so yeah yeah. i'm not totally jaded about it
0: (laughs) that's good well in the meantime when you're not talking to a, a you know a helping professional what do you do to help regulate yourself do you have a motto a philosophy uh, anything like that that you can you can just kind of check in and be like I say this to myself it, it, it calms me for a moment
2: oh yes I, I got we were going to get to this question of course um, and I, I actually have uh, yes I do have one uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, an interview with Lucille Ball like a year ago and mm-hmm. she said this thing about how When she feels when she felt stressed, she would just ask herself, is this right for Lucy? And she even put it like a note on her bathroom mirror. And I have one on my bathroom mirror, not Mm -hmm. is this right for Lucy? I put, is this right for Gregory? But uh, (laughs) basically what it is, is um, you just kind of like, I feel like for me, part of my anxiety comes from just overthinking everything. Like mm-hmm. every minute it's not even just social stuff it's like yeah. what's the next thing i should do what what mm-hmm. what should i eat for breakfast mm-hmm. like it, it's just mm-hmm. it, like i want to make the perfect choice in every case and mm-hmm. it can just be totally overwhelming and and even with like mental health advice there's all these different things where you should do this you should do that and people are mm-hmm. giving you different things like say this to yourself like and it, that gets overwhelming too, because I'm like, I need to follow the right advice. So I, when I get in that mode of just like overanalyzing, I try to stop myself and I just think, is this right for Gregory? Is this is it kind of, it just sort of shuts everything else out. And it feels like it helps me go back to my internal compass. Like I know what the right thing for me right now is it might not ultimately be the right thing, but at least then looking back, I can think, well, I, in that moment, I just trusted myself and I made the best choice I could have made. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: and because sometimes, oftentimes what you want to do is not the same as what you know that you probably should do. Right. So, yeah, is this right for Gregory? That, yeah. That's my mind.
0: I like that. I'm going to use that exact motto. Is this right for Gregory going forward? Yeah, mm-hmm. use that as you make
2: your decisions. Yeah, out. I'm going to base my life on your needs from now on. If more people did that, I think we'd all be better off. Yeah, based mm-hmm. their lives on my needs.
0: At least we'd all be on the same page if we're all yeah, <laughs> using on, the my, exact on my page, on your page, mm-hmm. and that would make your life easier. <laughs> Thus, maybe helping you repair some of the anxiety.
2: Who knows? Exactly. That's that's what I really need to do. I need mm-hmm. everybody to cater to my needs. To, what's I right know. for you. Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Well, Greg, we hope that our session with you was also somewhat helpful. We hope that this was right
2: for you. Yeah, that's why I did it. Yeah. I asked myself that question. Did you? Good. And you know, I was hesitant to do it at first mm-hmm. cuz I don't know. I, was just i i'm a private person and Mm -hmm. you that probably has anxiety related i don't usually talk about mental health stuff but i wanted to do it so
0: and we're so honored that you did i'm glad it did it for
2: you yeah (laughs) Yeah. for me oh
1: sweet i just wanted to say i think you being as honest as you uh have been today Mm -hmm. you really had really profoundly moved me mm-hmm. uh to know that uh there's some important things for all of us to pay attention to and also the fact that you hopefully help somebody else who suffers from social anxiety and what they're going through and what you've learned maybe uh they can benefit from that as well mm-hmm. so
2: yeah thank you yeah and i i will just say on that point yeah um it used to be, if anybody is listening who has social anxiety of any degree, like it used mm-hmm. to be a lot worse for me and it's definitely getting better. And the more I keep doing rational therapy and just like, it's like, it, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that it's something that can, you don't have to just live your whole life living in a total state of fear and social situations. Mm-hmm. It can improve. Right.
0: Absolutely. Well, while you have a professional here, that is my mother. Is there anything that you would like to ask a, a, a therapist? I know you're not in therapy right now, but is there anything that you might uh, want to inquire about?
1: Just while while we have the resource.
2: Oh boy, this feels like mm-hmm. that. Um...
1: Anxiety is going up <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you?
2: it's going up for me too. This feels like that question <laughs> at the end of job interviews. I'm mm-hmm. always like, what questions? I have to prepare questions and then by mm, the time right. we get to the end they've already answered. There's no pressure all of if you don't questions. have anything. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, well, I I feel like I do, but now they're not. That's I mean, okay. well, mm. do you um I mean, is this uncommon, I guess? Do you know of uh to like all the experiences I've had with struggling to find therapists who understand me or i mean not just there's the unprofessional stuff and that's hopefully an outlier but um is it Mm -hmm. common that people like really do struggle to click with a therapist and to feel like their therapist isn't invalidating them like do you know how how common that is
1: i've certainly come across people who've seen me who've gone through several therapists so it, Mm -hmm. it that has happened sometimes they go through a therapist uh because they get a little bit out of it and then it just kind of plateaus and there's not much more. And mm-hmm. so they'll make a decision to move on. Um, other times they have had like you described a an experience where it was a bad fit. Um so I don't I would say that I've just never heard someone like the first experience that you described. <laughs> that was probably um more of a unique story that I've not heard before Mm -hmm. I have though I have had clients have seen me who've been abused by their therapists Mm -hmm. so I have seen some major uh situations where therapists who are really not should not be in this profession and it's sad for me as a professional to know that there are people are seeing therapists who violate um the code of ethics and are not treating their clients in a way that they are safe and secure. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's just sad. We all we have to be really careful as clients. Um, And that's why we have, you know, licensing boards. And that's why I mean, I don't know if you would even consider this, but like, contacting the board that this person is licensed by and filing a complaint, and saying, because there's another side of this, and you don't have to, but it's just an awareness um, that you know, this person is not healthy and could really harm some people. So, um, and, you know, there's certain requirements of our licensure as well as uh, some oversight. Mm-hmm. So, so, did I answer that question fairly <laughs> for you?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank
0: you. You're welcome. If you'd like another session with us, uh, feel free to contact our secretary and we'll be happy to get you on the books
2: yeah Yeah, well uh, you guys were there so at eight o'clock there was Mm -hmm. no uh
0: there was no missed appointment yeah we were we were yeah there's no missed appointment
1: well thank Mm -hmm. you greg for being here and i just want to let you know it's just really a pleasure to get to know you and i just feel like all kinds of warm feelings about this really kind soul that we got a chance to get to know and talk with so thanks so much for being here
2: oh well thank you for having me this was really Mm -hmm. fun and happy to do it i love the podcast i do i've listened to a bunch of the episodes so good
0: good let us know when you've listened to (laughs) all of them okay you're just you're just a a partial fan right now
2: yeah (laughs) I, 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 you're right that that was i should have even brought that up if i hadn't listened to all of them. Oh, I don't, I don't have any of other merch either yeah <laughs> we don't have any merch you but i would have, expect you, guys you have
0: merch no but i expect yeah. you to draw our logo onto a white t-shirt and and for you to go that far
2: yeah <laughs> therapy with my mom Mm-hmm.
0: Tell all your friends. Got it. No, I'm so honored that you did decide to come on here and feel comfortable enough talking to us. You know, I know sometimes we can just like have conversations and confidence about things like this. But to be able to come on to our our little mm-hmm. podcast and, and be a little bit more open about it, I think will benefit from, you know, both entertainment wise and what we've learned here. And, you know, emotionally, people can kind of hear your stories and about setting their own boundaries and and what they need to do for themselves so you've done us a service greg
2: right thank you thank you for having me (laughs) oh and we
1: and we hope that this was also helpful for you and beneficial Mm -hmm. for you to be able to be a part of this so thank you yeah if anyone relates to this let us know you know you can reach out to us on
0: instagram or on gmail or on facebook at therapy with my mom uh we want to hear from you guys and uh Even if you're just listening and that's all you need and you don't even want to engage, there is no pressure. We're just glad that you stopped by and we hope you enjoy our conversations.
1: So, Greg, if you'd like to send us off, what would Mm -hmm. you like to say in terms of wrapping us up tonight?
2: Uh, Goodbye. Put your phone down. Talk to your barista.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks.
0: Perfect. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Therapy With My Mom. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can best support us by reviewing and downloading the episode on whatever platform you listen on. Tell your family and loved ones about the show, and don't forget to follow and engage with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Therapy With My Mom. You can also email us at therapywithmymom at gmail.com with any topic suggestions or stories you might want to have shared on the show. Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Mom.